I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. You can't, you can't help but feel a little bit bad for Miguel Cotto, who retired this past Saturday after a somewhat surprising loss to Saddam Ali. Let's be honest here. Nobody was picking Cotto to win. Or, sorry, nobody was picking Cotto to lose. Blech. Nobody was picking uh, Ali to win this fight. Uh, in fact, in, in all the... Uh, in all the lead-up to this, all the articles that I was reading, they all seemed to be uh, in celebration of Miguel Cotto, kind of like, yeah, he's going to go out with a win. No way, he's not going to be another one of those boxers who ends their career with a loss. But instead, Miguel Cotto ends his career with a loss and a record of 41 wins, 6 losses, 33 victories by way of knockout. But he also... During that career, which began in 2001 and ended this past Saturday, during that during those 16, 17 years, he became the first Puerto Rican to win titles in four different weight classes. So that is an accomplishment in and of itself. But uh, looking back at his career, at the same time, he never, in my opinion, he never had that truly big win over an elite opponent. But you know what? No, no, no. Scratch that. He did have a big win over an elite opponent. That came in 2014, uh, June of 2014, against Sergio Martinez. Uh, the only problem was, was at that time, Martinez was, I think he was close to uh, 40 years old. He was older than Miguel Cotto, and he more or less had uh, one good leg. I mean... He was more or less a one-legged fighter at that point, but regardless, uh, that, that, that's not to take anything away from him. But I, I just, it always seemed that when there came a really big time to step up, uh, it just didn't happen. I mean, okay, maybe the first fight with Antonio Margarito, you can put a little asterisk next to it, but Manny Pacquiao, he started... He started good against Pacquiao, but once the uh, the second knockdown came in the fourth round for that fight, he was just beginning to wilt, like I've said he does in the past. Floyd Mayweather Jr., he did a lot better than people expected, but still lost. Austin Trout, that was a that was a big upset nobody saw it coming. Uh, I don't think Cotto saw it coming either, and that was a back-to-back losses uh, against Mayweather and Trout. And then he... Uh, teamed up with Freddie Roach. He won the middleweight title, but none of his... Uh, he only made one successful defense of the middleweight title against Daniel Giel. Then there came the hilarious uh, question of Max Kellerman trying to ask him, so, are you going to fight Gennady Golovkin? And Cotto looking like he's about to crap his pants at the thought of that. Um, then came the fight with uh, Saul Alvarez and... Yeah, unfortunately, Cotto just never got those huge victories uh, like he did earlier in his career. Uh, the ones that he did get were always against fighters who were somewhat on the downslope of their career, like uh, Shane Mosley at the time, Zab Judah. I mean, a-, a lot of people were hoping that for his final fight that he would fight Antonio Margarito, you know, fight him, beat him. But it, it just wasn't meant to be. I, I, I personally don't blame Cotto for not doing that. I, although I was surprised that people were giving him such a pass uh, 
over uh, defending his uh, WBO Super Welterweight title against somebody who never competed at uh, Super Welterweight. Uh, Saddam Ali, for the most part, has been fighting at Welterweight, and Ali, to his credit, and did a very good job in the fight. There were several times where he had rocked Kodo. Like, you know, he lands a punch on Kodo, and Kodo starts to get wobbly legs, and it's like, holy crap! Did not see this coming. Um, you know, Ali was saying after the fight that, you know, he respected Miguel Cotto for picking him and that Miguel Cotto could have picked an easier opponent. And I just thought, yeah, you know what? He could have actually challenged a junior welterweight. I- I'm sorry. I don't think, uh, I-, I think Miguel Cotto should have gone out fighting somebody in or around, uh, the super middle or the not super middleweight but the uh, super welterweight or uh middleweight uh middleweight division it i just thought oh come on like wh- why are you doing this why why this saddam ali guy are you that desperate to go out with a w on your record and th- then i just kept thinking back to oh wait they were also talking about miguel Cotto versus um Juan Manuel Marquez, and I actually uh, heard rumors of uh, Timothy Bradley wanting to fight Miguel Cotto, but uh, as interesting as that would have been, it never happened, but uh, regardless, Miguel Cotto, you know, for better or for worse, we will remember you, you know, good Puerto Rican fighter. One thing that Cotto did after the fight that uh, actually shocked me was that as soon as the decision was announced that... uh, Saddam Ali had won the fight and was the new uh, junior, I'm just going to call it junior middleweight, I'm used to calling it that, but the new junior middleweight champion, uh, Cotto stayed in the ring. Every, uh, As far as I can remember, every time he's lost a fight, the first thing he does is just run out of the ring and uh, just go back to the dressing room, but this time he stood his ground, he said his goodbyes to everyone, nice scene, they played, they, uh, played a little video tribute uh, to him showing these great highlights of his career uh he's 37 years old i think he is going to stay retired i always got the feeling from code that he never truly loved boxing that it was just something that he did that he was good at and so he just did it for the money which is never a bad thing but uh i I think he will stay retired and uh wish him all the best okay yeah, I know it was weird me playing that music at the beginning, but I don't think we'll be doing that again. Or will we? Moving on. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. Never meant to make your daughter cry. I apologize a trillion times. Now, in a story from the Where the Hell Are They Now file, Floyd Mayweather has filed a lawsuit against his former girlfriend slash fiance, Miss Jackson, her real name being Chantel Jackson. But uh, he is suing her, claiming that she has been, or she was rather, robbing him blind by stealing large sums of cash during their relationship from 2008 to 2013. Now, uh, according to BoxingScene.com, this is a cross-complaint to Jackson's lawsuit filed in 2014 where she alleges assault, battery, invasion of privacy, and defamation. Uh, It's going to be getting a trial date soon. There's no real information on the uh, precise amount of money that was stolen, but apparently Mayweather is looking for uh, triple the damages. Quote, 
As a result of that confidence, Mayweather, whose education ended at the 8th grade, did not audit or otherwise inspect either his cash or his credit card statements for theft by Jackson, unquote. This is from Mayweather's attorney written in the court documents. Uh, Jackson is going ahead with her lawsuit, and she's got Gloria Allred on her side. And then, in, in the last part of this article, there's something very disturbing and that was a statement from uh, Mayweather's attorney who said that uh, Miss Jackson's, quote, own conduct, acts, and omissions caused the injuries and damage alleged in the complaint, unquote. Now, she's alleging assault, battery, and, uh, you know, other things, invasion of privacy, and defamation. Okay, so let's leave those two out let's leave those last two out of it invasion of privacy and defamation but even then the invasion of privacy is kind of like hmm it's a bit iffy on that but assault and battery jesus christ this is a guy who went to prison for beating up the mother of his children in front of his children and uh okay like shouldn't you be a, a bit concerned about that like hey um you know maybe we should word this differently like maybe just flat out deny them but no we're gonna say well she did it herself you know if she wasn't being the way she was you know she wouldn't have gotten hit in the face good god almighty that uh, i'm no legal expert mind you i mean i've got an uncle who's a judge so i mean nonetheless you can't be you can't be charged with assault battery and then kind of say Oh, well, no, like she brought it on herself. No, unless you are very poorly arguing that this was self-defense, which again, even then is kind of like, hmm, was it really Floyd? I mean, oh, yeah, needless to say, this is going to be uh, some, this is going to be some very interesting courtroom drama. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Moving on. Sergei Kovalev returned to his winning ways with a spectacular second-round stoppage of Slava Shabransky a few weeks ago. Going into that fight, I just thought, I don't think Kovalev is uh, in any way too damaged. If anything, I think this is going to hurt his opponents because they're going to think, okay, Sergei Kovalev's not only has he been beaten, but he was stopped by Andre Ward in their rematch. So... If Andre Ward can do that, I can do that. I just have to fight a very smart, intelligent fight. But the thing is, this overconfidence is their weakness. Because they come rushing into Kovalev's power, and Kovalev is probably one of the hardest punchers alive at this moment. Or, okay, one of the hardest punchers alive that's active in the sport of boxing. Okay, I think that's better. I'm probably going to get somebody who was very upset about that. But nonetheless... Kovalev uh, knocked Shabransky down twice in the first round, and I was nervous because uh, in that first round, Kovalev was uh, not not or not knocked down, but he was kind of almost. It, it seemed like he was off balance or something, but he got rocked back by a uh, shot to the chest from Shabransky. But then Kovalev just comes back with these uh, two knockdowns. The first one, it wasn't even a, a truly clean punch that knocked him down it was more of a glancing bro glancing bro it was more of a glancing blow that caught Shabransky on his left shoulder but uh connected a little bit with his chin that knocked him down and then the second knockdown 
I thought that was going to be uh, the end of the fight right there in the first round because for a while it looked like Shabransky's uh, consciousness was completely disconnected from the rest of his body. Just, he just looked like a stumbling drunk that I've seen far too many times in my life. But no, he, he was able to get up. Round two, more of the same. He got knocked down, got back up, said he was okay, but referee did the right thing by stepping in at the right time because he was his back was against the ropes. He was getting knocked in the head very hard by Kovalev. So Kovalev wins the vacant WBO light heavyweight title. What's next for him? Well, I've said that I would love to see the fight, the long-awaited fight with Adonis Stevenson. You know, I hold out hope, okay? I would love to see it happen. It's it's a fight that should have been made, obviously, back in 2014. But uh, because of, unfortunately, the politics in boxing, <coughs> even, um, it, it just didn't happen. But if that doesn't happen, there is the fight, the other fight that I mentioned, and that would be uh, Artur Biterbiev, who currently holds the IBF uh, light heavyweight title. So you could have this wonderful unification fight between uh, Biterbiev and Kovalev. I think it'd be great to see. I hope that can happen sometime in 2018. Kovalev will be 35 next year. But, you know, in the meantime, I hope that he uh, keeps fighting frequently because I think he's good for the sport. I love that he knocks people out all the time. Good for him. There was not much that uh, Shabransky could have done differently other than maybe not be so overcome with Kovalev's... uh, well, with Kovalev's power, it just doesn't make any sense. If, if anything, like, why not just take try to take a page out of the Andre Ward book? I don't know, but it, it led to Shabransky's downfall, and, you know, maybe this will be a lesson for any other future opponents of Sergei Kovalev. Moving on. Okay, I think this is a fight that we can all get excited for. This Saturday on ESPN, Guillermo Rigondeau, 17 wins, no losses, will be moving up to challenge Vasil Lomachenko, who is 9-1 with 7 Ks, but he's going to be challenging for the WBO Super Featherweight title. It, it's so weird that to see so many fight fans, and, and you know, if you aren't a fan of the sport, and if you're just a casual fan, you might be looking at this and wondering, well, wait a minute, you know, these guys have less than 20 fights, uh, you know, Lomachenko, he he has 10 fights on his record, but w- what's the big deal? Well, the fact is that these are two of the best boxers in the sport right now. Now, the big knock on Guillermo Rigondeau is that he is boring. And yeah, he's a very technical fighter. I mean, I don't watch a lot of his fights. The only ones, the only one, rather, I do go back and watch from time to time is his fight against Nonito Donaire. And in that fight, he was practically flawless. The only, the only imperfection in it, you know, I, I said practically flawless. I mean, but that was when he got knocked down in the tenth round from a Donaire uh, left hook. But even then, if you go back and watch, it, it's a big left hook from Donaire. It lands clearly, cleanly on Rigandau, but he gets up by the count of two. It, it doesn't seem to hurt him, and. You also have to remember, this guy is 37 years old. 
it's like, whoa, okay. Uh, he's won titles at uh, Super Bantamweight, and then you've got a guy like Lomachenko, uh, two-time Olympian. He's won titles at Featherweight and Super Featherweight. These are two of the best amateurs ever, and now they're in the pros. There was apparently talk of this fight happening uh, years ago, but it just didn't happen for whatever reason. But now it, it, it finally is. And so the question comes down to, who do you pick? Yes, Lomachenko has one loss on his record. That was uh, in his second fight uh, against Orlando Salido. But that was a split decision loss. A lot of people say that, no, he really uh, he really should have won or Salido should have been disqualified by any uh, rate because of the constant low blows that were being landed by Loma, or by uh, Salido, I'm sorry. But uh, I, I, I haven't been able to go back and watch that fight, unfortunately. And... The thing about Lomachenko is that he is he has evolved so much since that loss. He's gotten better and better. I have people who do not, or I have people. Hmm. I know people. I have friends who uh, who don't watch boxing, but they are aware of Lomachenko. I had a, a security guard at work. He uh, he just uh, asked me if I follow boxing at all, and I told him, "Yeah, I do." And then he starts just going off about how amazing Vasily Lomachenko is and he's just he's trying to demonstrate to me and it's kind of like well I know I, I, I've seen the fights you, you, you know you're kind of preaching to the choir here but he just got so excited about Lomachenko so it's it's incredibly hard to make a decision between these two because they both seem practically flawless but eventually you know after 12 rounds or less depending upon who gets knocked out we have to have a winner it's hard to uh, it's hard to bet against Guillermo Rigondeau. It really is. But at the same time, I think that uh, you know, being 37, I think that he's going to have problems against the younger and possibly faster Lomachenko. I don't see this as being a uh, a classic fight. I think it might be very technical, very boring at times. I think Lomachenko might be the one who does make it exciting with his constant Matrix-like movement. But uh, I see him winning a, I see him winning a close decision, one fifteen to one thirteen. But it's clearly going to be in the favor of Vasil Lomachenko, and he will retain his WBO Super Featherweight title. I don't know what might be next for either fighter after that. I mean, Lomachenko might want to move up. Guillermo Ringado, like I keep saying, 37 years old. This might be the final fight of his career. Who knows? I mean, do you want to be 40 years old and still fighting? Not really. And Ringado only turned pro, I think, in 2008 or early 2009. Checking? Yeah, it was May of 2009. So... You know, at this point, I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to stop, but if he wants to keep going afterwards, great, good for him. If not, you know, again, no complaints on my part, but I unfortunately have to work the night of that fight, so that sucks, but it's Christmas time. And I will be back next week to give you my thoughts on the result of that fight.
whether my prediction was correct or not. And, you know, if it's not, I'll, well, not just me, but you, the audience, will once again be able to laugh at my terrible prediction. And I will also give you some wonderful tips for the Christmas time season, as, you know, we've only got, as of this recording, 20 days to go. So you better start shopping for that boxing freak you have in the family. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxingforfree. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxingforfree and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxing for free page you can subscribe on itunes podbean and several other podcast directories if you use itunes give us a review and let everyone know that the boxing for free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary i'm andrew schweitzer thank you for listening and we hope you tune in next time i'm sorry miss jackson Ooh, i am for real never meant to make your daughter cry